This is your Friday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Hope everyone's having a great day. I think this is like the last super cold day for a while. Knock on wood. Don't want to jinx it, but it feels that way. looks that way based on the extended forecast. So hopefully we're coming out of this a little bit. Got a lot to get to today. Sarah McClellan from the Star Tribune joins me here in a little while. A Minnesota Wild midseason report and a good one at that. That team is rolling right now heading into the break um playing you know all four lines rolling well the goaltending's going well looks like a team that is primed to do good things but that second half schedule will test them in big ways I've got a thought on Kevin O'Connell's offense new head coach for the Vikings kind of what we might see from that offense this year if the Rams are any judge of that and also you can certainly hear a lot more thoughts about Kevin O'Connell and that whole uh, coaching search process on Thursday's Access Vikings podcast which is now live. Um, Get to the links a big signing Angel McCautry and she was introduced to the media on Thursday. I will play a little bit of what she has to say there but first what did I miss? I'm gonna start out um, with a voicemail from Lavelle E. Neal III. He is in Beijing right now for the Winter Games. He is in semi-protocol after uh, sitting next to near someone on the flight over there who eventually tested positive for COVID. So he's getting tested more frequently. He's limited a little bit in what he can do over there, but he share- he's still shared his experiences you know time time difference it's about 14 hours different over there than it is here so when he talked to me it was yesterday here which is a it was was tripping him up a little bit but um just wanted to we're gonna do this regularly semi-regularly at least throughout the olympics with lavelle and rachel blount over in beijing a ton of you know big time minnesota athletes over there as well so here is the voicemail that I received and asked for from Lavelle E. Neal III. Hello, Mike. I hope all is well back there in yesterday land in Minnesota. It's actually 7.50 a.m. as I speak to you. Um, I was awakened this morning at 6.55 with a phone call to uh, let me know that breakfast had been served at my door, which consists of one egg, one sausage link, and one chicken sausage link with a uh, small pastry. So needless to say, that's uh, a little bit less than I'm used to eating for breakfast. Um, then three minutes later, I was, a, I was aroused from my dozing off after the initial call by a knock on the door with my uh, the first of my two daily tests. So uh, breakfast served at 6.55, throat swabbed, 6.58, and I finally mastered this uh, without having to gag when they stick that stick down my throat. So um, progress is being made in that regard. Um, it's not as bad as it could be because I am allowed to work. I'm allowed to go to the media center as long as I sp- spread out and stay away from close contact to people. I can go to venues and cover events as I did last night with the USA Women's uh, Hockey Opener against Finland. Um, the testers coming up today, I had to convince them to move up my afternoon test to 4 o'clock so I can get over to the, uh, the National Stadium to be present for the opening ceremony. 
after which I'll be writing a column about just the sights and sounds and the pageantry of the start of the Olympic Games. It'll be interesting to see uh, how many athletes will attend and how popular it would be. So, so I'm able to get around. Uh, I, I am spending more time in my room and just trying to spread, spend more time spread out from people as I kind of work through this. It's going to stink. Um, I have to arrange for a taxi to take me to every venue um, at our cost, I might add. So uh, I, won't, I don't know the next time I'll be on a bus or not. Uh, as for the competitions, you know, we've got hockey and curly going going on right now. Um, we've got some skiing events coming up in the next couple of days. Paula Monson from uh, Maltzen from, um, I think, Lakeville South is getting ready to go. Um, but um, USA Hockey Women, their next match is against Switzerland. That's going to be a pushover. Switzerland isn't really that strong of a team. So we won't get a real sense for the loss of Amanda Decker, who uh, looked like she was on the receiving end of a dirty play by a Finnish player uh, in their opening match. Uh, suffered a left leg injury. It looked pretty gross. Uh, we have a still shot of it in the paper. It looks like right in the point where she probably was injured. And uh, she's out for the rest of the Olympics. So they're going to have to make do without her. She's a veteran. She's savvy. She's really good in the face-off circle. Uh, and she will be missed. We also have Chris Plies and, and Vicky Persinger and Curly Mixed Doubles. They need wins bad. They need to start stacking some wins together. And I'll probably be at the USA-Canada curling match, which will occur on Saturday, I believe, your time. Your, your time. I, uh, it's hard for me to talk to people from yesterday. Um, sorry about that, man. But uh, that, that's the challenge here. But other than that, things have been going well here. There's been some interesting sights. The staff here has been very polite, very respectful, and at times funny. Uh, I have not been mistreated here whatsoever. I have not uh, had a cross word thrown at me. So I have no complaints, other than the fact that I picked the wrong spot to sit on a plane and sat behind someone, in front of someone who tested positive. And now I'm in this semi-protocol, I'm going to call it. Hope all is well there, my friend, and I'll talk to you soon. I love Stream of Consciousness, Lavelle. Uh, it's going to be fun to get these from him throughout the games and from Rachel as well. Um, looking forward to everything they cover over there. They're already hard at work, so please check them out in the Star Tribune and at StarTribune.com. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for 24-7 gaming, fun restaurants and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Really happy to have Sarah McClellan back on Daily Delivery. Of course, covers the wild for the Star Tribune. Sarah, I need, think we need to do a, a mid-season report, a mid-season check-in of sorts, because we are at the exact halfway point of the wild season. It probably would be a little bit beyond the halfway point if they'd been able to play all the games they had hoped to play, but it does kind of give a nice symmetry also with the all-star break this weekend as well um you know it's been an interesting largely successful first half of the season maybe i can just throw it to you in you know just at the the beginning here is for you know what have you seen emerge as kind of the big storylines in these first 41 games 
You're right. I, I think overall it has been a successful start or first half for this team to very much be in contention in the Central Division. I know, you know, as you alluded to with the schedule kind of getting interrupted, um, teams have played different number of games and, you know, the Wild has games at hand. So um, the team being, you know, not at the top of the Central Division where it was previously um, could be a little bit of a factor but overall, with the way the team is playing, you know, I think still making a push and vying probably with Colorado for that top spot is probably something to watch in this second half. Um, you know, I think the recent play and then the performance at towards the end of November into December when there was that nine game point streak. I think those so far have been, you know, the best stretches of hockey, the most consistent, the most productive. But I think on the whole, though, this team has definitely carved out an identity of being resilient, uh, finding different ways to win with different lineups. This still, you know, going into the halfway point, going into the all-star break, this team, you know, wasn't at full strength. Um, you know, we'll see when it does get to that point um, and, and then see where the team takes off from there. You know, the, the play recently where the team's been rolling you know, there's been key absences. So it's tough to say, you know, is, is this potential, is this the best it can get when this lineup, you know, as intended to be deployed has, has yet to play in, in a while. So I think overall though, you know, like I said, the resilience, the depth, um, and I think that balance has really become trademarks and, um, the multi-goal rallies, the come-from-behind wins, I think that's kind of been part of this team's calling card. Uh, but also just the fact that this is a team that I think very much is set up and prides itself on rolling four lines and three defensive pairings and two goalies. And um, that talk of, you know, having depth and, you know, relying on anybody, it isn't just talk. That's how this team plays. It, you know, it, it really is a team that utilizes everyone. And I think into the second half with how busy it is, that could become even more of a key uh, for this team to have success. Now I want to get into that second half schedule here in a minute, but you, the one thing you mentioned, um, the, the resilience of this team, I certainly think is a, is a big part of that identity. And you've written about it almost on a semi-nightly basis. Our colleague Patrick Royce wrote about it, I think last week, just that ability to score with, you know, an extra attacker score. I don't know how many goals it is now, 13, 14, whatever it is at this point. Um, what's that been like to watch and cover when you kind of know this team is never completely out of a game? Yeah, you can kind of start to see the turning points or, uh, you know, you kind of recognize when the, that tide is turning and the team is picking it up. And uh, I think just because it's happened so much, you can tell that players – believe it can keep happening and falling behind by a couple goals after, you know, a difficult first period, you know, it, it isn't out of the realm of possibility for the team to come back and win. And, you know, I've tried to, yeah, get at the root of this. How does this keep happening? And I really do think that practice and the repetition of doing it over and over again, just really sparks more of this. And these players have been there, done that. And there's something to be said for that. Um, whether it's the muscle memory, whether it's the belief, but they definitely do have a knack for that. And it's really, when you look back and add up the points, they're valuable points. And 
you know, they're points that help the team get to where it is now and can set it up for this big second half push. But I think that's been key too. And, and sure it's been, you know, key players, but it's, it's not always that headlining player that's helping spark these turnarounds too. And that goes back to the depth, Um, you know, a recent game, the fourth line, I think back to, you know, having kind of a key moment and their turn in the spotlight. Yes, there's Kirill Kaprizov and Kevin Fiala and Matt Zuccarello, but, um, you know, other nights it's, you know, the Jewel Erickson Eckline or, you know, a key play on defense. So I really do think, you know, as maybe cliche as it sounds like the belief is there and it's a team that plays that way too. You mentioned Fiala. He's had a hand in a lot of those kind of late rallies and just seemed to find his game a lot, you know, in the last 10, 11, whatever it is. And some of it's with Matt Boldy, you know, which has got to be heartening for the wild, just not only having Boldy come up, but, you know, to play at the level he's played so far. And it seems like he might be here to stay. Yeah, that is a tandem, obviously, that's proven to have what looks like almost instant chemistry since they've been paired up. And it's, you're right. It's, it's mutually beneficial, right? Matt Boldy settled in. He's looked Um, completely poised for a rookie, hasn't looked out of place, has made a difference. And it's helped Fiala to kind of find his groove and kind of get back to the pace that we're used to seeing from him as, you know, a 20 goal scorer. But I think too, even bigger picture from the team, that's another line that is a handful for opposing teams. This this really isn't, you know, a, a team that's predicated on one line. Like, I really feel like if you're an opposing team, you look at this, this depth chart and, you know, who do you shut down? So you're going to focus on Kaprizov and Zuccarello and Ryan Hartman, but then you have, you know, the Jordan Greenway, Joel Eric's neck, Marcus Foligno line coming over the boards and they're a handful, but then what about Kevin Fiala, Matt Boldy and Frederick Goudreau? And, and then there's the fourth line, which still gives quality shifts too. So I think the fact that those two have, Obviously, developed chemistry just gives the Wild so much more balance. This isn't a team that hasn't had to load up one line and and put Kaprizov, Zuccarello, Fiala, at one point, Eric Sneck. They they haven't had to load up their best players on one line. Their best players are on separate lines. And I think that's obviously something that makes this team much more tougher to defend and obviously gives the team production throughout the lineup. That makes it seem like this balanced scoring can be sustainable. We've probably had enough of a sample size to think that. I mean, Felino having a career year with goals scored, Ryan Hartman as well, you know, getting scoring up and down the lineup, Eric Sinek having a really good year as well. Is, is that what they're feeling too? Like this is not just, you know, a half year mirage that this can continue, you know, not just for the rest of the regular season, but potentially into the postseason as well. If that's the case, I think this is a team and a matchup that maybe others want to avoid because it's just so tough to defend. You're right. Um, I think half a season is probably, you know, enough of a sample size to look at, you know, the way that these players are playing. Um, If they can continue that, the Wild could be, you know, a tough outcome playoff time. Uh, Just because, like I said, you can't focus on one line. This isn't a team that's constructed that, okay, if you shut down Kaprizov and Zuccarello, you know, there's your path to victory. That's not the case as long as the Erickson Eck line is is doing what it does best. And that's being physical and getting in on the four check. And 
stifling other teams best players and then you have Fiala and Boldy with Goudreau which like we said is just emerged as another credible line for this team that's found a way to produce and contribute on offense and special teams so I just think you're right that that so far has emerged as an identity for this team and if it can continue which like you said the results back it up so far you know this isn't a team that's has depth in name. It has depth in action. This is the way this team plays. And if that continues, I think it definitely bodes well for the team's future. They have depth at goalie as well. Kapokakinen kind of, I don't say rescued is the wrong word, but they were in a bit of a rut there at the you know middle part of December, early January, where they just you know, couldn't couldn't play first of all because you know, everybody it was, it was just the the NHL and the COVID break and you know missing games. And you got Cam Talbot injured during that outdoor game in, in early January. And we're a month removed from that now. And, and Cam Talbot has come back and played some since then. But what Kapokakinen gave them in you know that that stretch there where they got a winning streak going, I don't think that can be, you know, I don't think we can look too much past that. Has that changed their thinking on that, or is there still a Cam Talbot, Kapokakinen clear pecking order as far as how they would proceed if if both of them are healthy going forward. I think their goaltending depth might be the most underrated out of all the position groups, because I think with, like we said, how busy the schedule is going to be, I think they're going to rely on both and they're going to need to just with how busy this is going to be, um, how frequent the games are going to, you know, come on the schedule and that, you know, that might be the most underrated. That might be the most vital too. Um, just, you know, with how, how key that position is, the tone that it sets for the team. And, and you're right. And I, I think there was kind of a shift post-winter classic by the whole team. But you're right. It does coincide with a steady run by, by Capo Kakinen. And I think his play has definitely kept him in the mix to merit more starts. Um, you know, was that always going to be the plan, you know, with how busy the schedule will be? I mean, who knows if, if you know, he didn't swoop in like he did. If, Talbot didn't get hurt if all the games didn't get postponed and, you know, they, they didn't have, you know, this busy February now after previously supposed to have the Olympic breaks, obviously so many factors at play, but I think the way that he played recently has obviously set up, you know, this team to be in a situation where it can rely on two goaltenders down the stretch. And I think, like I said, I think that could be really key. You know, the forwards are doing their jobs. They're getting the scoring Players are having career years. This is a defense that hasn't missed a beat, even though they've had to shuffle players in and out due to injury and COVID. But, you know, to have two goalies playing and delivering results like has been the case recently, I think that might be, you know, one of the most important factors during the second half for the Wild, Um, just because, like I said, of how key that position is and, you know, the boost that it could give this team um, and the way that it wants to play that might be, you know, one of the most intriguing developments to watch the second half and how far the team can go with two goaltenders obviously capable of handling starts. A couple more things for you, Sarah. Speaking of that second half, I mean, NHL has kind of had to make this up on the fly. I mean, I think COVID has taught us all to kind of do that to a certain degree. I can't, ima- I can't imagine like five years ago, a pro league thinking that it would adapt its schedule and just add games, subtract games like they are right now. 
But you know, it has created this scenario where they were going to have this Olympic break, then the players are not going over there anymore, and now they can kind of sprinkle games back in where where it otherwise would have been. It, does this? How much does this factor into player preparation or just their mindset as they think about this whole season? Are they? Does it seem like it's just we'll take it as it comes, or do you think it does affect them a certain degree that there's been so much unpredictability so far? I've heard it's kind of familiar to last season, which was obviously busy. I, I think it draws comparisons to that where obviously it was a little different setup with teams, you know, only playing against their own division, but it was busy and it was pretty much almost every other day. And so I think we'll probably um, get back to that feel. And, you know, looking back at how the wild treated that it, it was a balancing act between practice and rest and doing what was best for the players to get them ready to play that night. And maybe it was a day off. Maybe it was, you know, an on ice session. And so I think that probably it would make sense to become the focus again and just kind of juggle what's best that week, that day, because it is going to get busy. And I think, you know, we've kind of seen that shift more where, um, you know, it's not the extreme of load management as we see in, in other sports, but it's just being very cognizant of the schedule and doing what it takes to maximize performance for games. And I think it would make sense, like I said, if that was kind of the shift now in the second half, because that break is gone. Um, you know, there's a lot of ground to be made up for some teams that have had games postponed. The Wild had seven games postponed. So a busy time. But like I said, I think it's probably kind of a throwback to last season when it was, you know, a condensed schedule and teams were playing pretty much on as on an every other night type basis. And that's what they'll face coming out of the break. You know, they'll get back on the ice next week. And then, you know, it's still a ways until the trade deadline it feels like it's a late trade deadline this year. Maybe I'm just comparing it to what I think I remember, but you're still talking about March 21st, I think for the trade deadline this year in the NHL. So we, I think we talked last time you were on just about what their potential needs might be, what fits could be. And, you know, salary cap certainly plays a role in all this. They just, you know, just gave Jordan Greenway an extension. Um, but as you think about anything they might do going forward or any holes they need to patch, is it still the same kind of idea of maybe some specialists, things like that, or have other holes emerged or been patched up since we talked last? I think it's still kind of very much to be determined. And that was obviously the vibe that Bill Guerin kind of acknowledged um, when I asked him recently, you know, if he's kind of formulated a plan for the trade deadline, he said he he doesn't know. And so, you know, maybe that's, you know, still see how the team performs coming out of the break, but it also might be too. Like we said, this team isn't at full strength and it hasn't been for quite some time. So, you know, maybe it's see how this team performs when everybody's back and healthy, but maybe that's the lift. Maybe that's the change. You know, maybe it's just getting everybody back on the ice. And that maybe could feel like a trade because it's been so long since this team has been at full strength. So um, I, I think that makes sense that it's, you know, it's it's a ways away. Um, factors and situations can change. And just kind of, yeah, it, it, acknowledging and seeing where the team is at at that point, where the team's health is at. Obviously, we've seen that been um, you know, an issue for the team not being at full strength for a while now, but, you know, I, I think though, you know, this team has put itself in a position though, to be competitive and, you know, we've kind of see both sides, you know, do you add to that and reward that and complement that, 
or do you preserve what you have? And is chemistry, you know, a real thing that this team wants to preserve? Um, I think those may be, as the deadline gets closer, those might be the two sides of the coin that come into view. Um, is this a team that has merited a boost to try to make that run? Or is this a team that has a good thing going and maybe it's best to keep it as is and see see where it goes? That might be the debate that actually kind of maybe rises to the surface here as it you know as it relates to the wild at the deadline. Will be interesting to watch no matter what. And like you said, there will be a lot to watch. It's like 41 games and 81 nights, something like that. Once they come back, you will be busy. I hope you get a tiny sliver of a break, although it sounds like you're going to Vegas for the all-star game and you'll be, (laughs) it won't be long until they're back on the ice. So whatever break you get, enjoy it. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon, Sarah. Thank you. Great stuff as always from Sarah. Hope she gets a little bit of a break. Like I told her, although things move pretty quickly here and uh, she is planning to be in Vegas for the all-star game. So I don't know how much of a break she will get and it'll come fast and furious in that second half of the season. But like she said, as we talked, uh, their goaltending and the the fact that they've got two guys now, Cam Talbot coming off a shutout and a solid first half of the year, and Capo Kakinen, who had to play really well in his absence uh, in a you know a good stretch of January, uh, got both of those guys rolling well, and that will help when you got to play every other day some back to backs in there, not wanting to wear any one goalie out. So pay attention to that in the second half of the season when it resumes early next week. Lynx, a huge signing, a big week for the Lynx. They got Sylvia Fowles back for at least one more season, she said, um, then planning to retire after that. And then they signed Angel McCautry, uh, five-time All-Star. They're familiar with her from going against her for many different years. Injuries plagued Angel McCautry the last, you know, two of the last three seasons, but when she is healthy, she is a tremendous player, a veteran, age 35, like Sylvia Fowles, really feels like they're loading up for 2022 to try to take advantage of, you know, fouls, what could be fouls last season, kind of, you know, make one big run with a lot of these, you know, really good veteran players. Kayla McBride certainly in that mix as well. So it will be interesting to see how she fits into what they want to do. But I want to play a little, a couple little clips here from her uh, availability on Thursday, just kind of showing what she's all about and what she's looking forward to once she does get here for good. Yeah, uh, I, w- I would say I'm very excited to be here. You know, I know it's, uh, you know, tough for people to kind of believe in you again after being injured and, and, and at the age that I am at. So, uh, you know, I'm just grateful that Cheryl can see through that and, and she still sees that um, I have a lot of competitive life to me um not only that I'm, I'm great i'm grateful to be a part of the community of minnesota i've watched it over uh a long period of time over the years and um probably one of the best facilities i've seen in the league um best fan base uh so to actually not have to be an opponent <laughs> and try to fight through that to actually be on that side is, it's really a great feeling and i'm really excited to uh, be a part of that Lynx, if you'll remember, too, have made the playoffs 11 years in a row, looking to make it 12 this year and to go even further and get back into that championship mix. Let's finish with the cooler. Big question that we're getting asked a lot is, what will an offense under new Vikings head coach Kevin McConnell look like? And we don't know that for sure yet. I mean, when he was with the Rams and anywhere else, 
Um, you know, even if he was running the offense in in LA the last two years, and will run it again in the Super Bowl before he is officially hired by the Vikings. You know, you don't know how much influence is Sean McVay versus what he wants to run, but we can glean a few things from what they've done there. One really interesting thing to me this year is how good they have been on third down. That was a huge difference between the Rams and, frankly, the Vikings this season. The Rams were fifth in third down conversion rate at 45% in the NFL this season. Vikings down at number 26 at 36.4%. You know, strong correlation between third down conversion percentage and making the playoffs. I think 11 of the top 12 teams in third down conversion rate in 2021 reached the postseason, including, of course, the Rams at number five. So pay attention to that. And within that, looking up on sharpfootballanalysis.com, third down passing, the Rams were the best team in the league in third down passing, averaging 9.7 yards per attempt. And again, that's with Matthew Stafford at quarterback, a good quarterback, but not someone who I would put in the upper, upper echelon of of quarterbacks. So, you know, I'm sure offensive line has something to do with it. I'm sure scheme also, though, has something to do with it. So wanting to know if if O'Connell can bring some of that magic of third down to the Vikings. You know, I think he's going to use some pretty heavy you know, maybe three wide personnel, things like that. It's going to look different, but the run-pass balance, I should mention, is pretty similar to what it was in Minnesota. On first down, they ran it about 50% of the time, passed it about 50% of the time in 2021, just like the Vikings. I don't think it's going to be this super pass-happy attack. It's going to have some balance, but, um, you know, it looks like the scheme uh, is is the biggest difference and getting guys open on third down. And I think Justin Jefferson has to like what he might see. The big question beyond that, of course, is who is going to be throwing the ball? Is it going to be Kirk Cousins or are they going to trade him? We will probably start to get answers to that as the month goes on. That will do it for me here today. That'll do it for me here this week. Thanks for listening to all of the shows this week. Feel free to go back and listen to anything you missed. Should be a fun week next week as well. More Olympics, getting ready for the Super Bowl. More Vikings assistant coach talk, I'm sure, and plenty of other stuff as well. Have a great weekend. Be back at it on Monday.